Welcome to another edition of the Roundtable, this time with Matt DeBerry, where we will focus more on recruiting than team. But Matt, we're just going to, this is the first time we've done this uh, in podcast form. I know you were complaining yeah. complaining earlier that I was a little loud, but <laughs> we'll, try to good make, to go. we'll try to make it work. Hey, look, uh, Matt, it's a big week, and typically these podcasts are going to come out on Thursdays because we're going to try to preview the weeks to come in recruiting. Um, and here we are, uh, middle, late April. Georgia is right. uh, the consensus number five team in the country in recruiting, which is certainly not bad. Um, several schools. Not bad at all. No, several schools last week got some, um, got a, uh, a bump, I guess you could say. I think Clemson had a good week this past week. Uh, Alabama, um, uh, uh, Ole Miss. Is still up there, relatively high, but um, Georgia's sitting there with seven recruits. A lot of folks, uh, you know, with them still. In the, excuse me, I said top five, but it looks like A and M has passed them with a couple of commits. Georgia's the the team with the fewest commits in the top ten consensus. Not consensus top ten. Uh, so a couple of kids would make a pretty big difference. Uh, in terms of team rankings, that's the global view. What, what do you think, being that this is the first time you and I have really officially talked in this fashion, uh, right. what do you make of this class so far? I mean, three of the top ten consensus kids in the country are Georgia commits. Definitely, and I I think it's easy to see that Georgia's going after the big fish, and so once they land the guys that they really want, they're going to get that big jump um, in those recruiting rankings, wherever you look at those. But, yeah, I mean, Nolan Smith, obviously one of the best in the country. We've both seen him play. Mm-hmm. He's um, good. Definitely, definitely really good. Uh, Jaden Hazelwood, a guy I really, really like at receiver. Don Blaylock, another one of the best receivers in the country. Um, I mean, they're just like the past two classes. They're going after the best no matter where they are. They're definitely trying their best to lock up the best kids in state, and I think they've done a really good job of doing that. But they're also going nationwide for some kids, and – it helps when you're winning big, and I think you put an article out of you know, how many people watched Georgia football this past year, yeah. and it, it's a big deal. Everyone's watching Georgia football, and um, that's really going a long way. So definitely a national brand right now, and uh, they're big recruiting. I mean, um, th- what did you say, seven recruits right now? Yeah, they got – well, you're the guy who focuses on this. Yeah, I mean. yeah. I know Luke Griffin just decommitted. Right. Uh, I, I knew it was around there, but – yeah, once though they get the guys they want to commit, um, you know they're going to jump up those rankings and they're going to be towards the very top. Um, you know when it's all said and done. All right, the big the big thing this week is it looks like Owen. Pop- well, this big week we don't we don't know, uh, but Owen Popo is going to pull the trigger on May first with the other kids from Grayson, and take us through you know, sort of your view of the world um, as far as all that's concerned. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy he's finally getting it all done. I mean, this kid was getting offers, I think, as an eighth grader, and he was a big national recruit as a freshman. I think that's kind of when Georgia offered. Um, You know, we saw him at one of the Mark Rick camps a few years ago. And so he's been around a long time, and it's finally coming down to him making a decision. It's a Georgia-Auburn battle right now. And, you know, this time last year, you know, a lot of people said Florida State was the team to beat. They had a lot of Grayson commits right now, and he came very close to committing to Florida State. Then Clemson came in the mix. Then Alabama. And then I've been saying on dog post since late 
October, mid to late October, that I thought Georgia was going to be the team to beat him. I think he came very close to committing to Georgia multiple times. And they've been in the lead for, you know, five, six months now. So I do think that Georgia will land him. I don't know if he's going to commit to Georgia on May 1st. Georgia could very well be the pick. But in the end, I don't see him telling Kirby Smart, no, I'd rather play for Auburn um, at at the end of the day. So um, it's been an interesting recruitment to cover uh, for sure. But, you know, I'm hearing some Auburn, I'm hearing some Georgia. Um, A lot of people say they really don't know where he's going to go. And I think a few guys do, but they're keeping it quiet. And, and Owen, he's having fun with it. He knows that everyone is, you know, on, you know, the waiting for, for this and uh, to see where he's going and he's having a good time with it. I think he knows where he's going to go. And at the end of the day, I do think he will end up signing with Georgia and, you know, maybe committing to Georgia on May 1st. I think that's a very, you know, you know, good possibility. You started doing this, uh, have you been doing this for how many years now? I think the fall of 2014 was my first year doing this with you. So almost four years. Yeah. And in that time, you know, obviously you watched, you got, you were able to watch Chad Simmons, who's at Rivals right now, pretty closely. Uh, in, right. all, in all of this time. And right. I, I I do wonder, you know, because guys like you that, that cover it um, on the day-to-day basis, and Chad, of course, has covered it for a long time too, um, do you all just get the feeling that something's going to happen or do you start hearing stuff and you take it from there? Uh, well, I, I are, are those, that. I'm sorry, Matt, are those hand-in-hand? They are a little bit, and again, visits are huge. Um, I look at how many times a kid's visiting this place. If he visits, you know, a certain place more than once in a small period of time, that goes a long way. And um, uh, but yet, yeah, you hear different things, you know, pretty often. Uh, you know, with some guys, you know, you pretty much know where they're going to be going. You know, as soon as they get that offer, and you have a strong feeling about it the whole way. And some kids like to be dramatic. Every recruitment's different. Um, especially Owens, but you know, I, am a guy who likes to follow the visits and, uh, you know, just really trust the people close to him and, um, you know, kind of read through the lines a little bit. And Chad was the best dad. I got to watch him and you learned a lot from him doing it. So, um, you know, it's been good, but each recruitment is different, um, for sure. No question. And what, what's changed in, since 14, do you think? It's not that long ago, but it feels like things have changed. Well, kids are getting offers earlier and earlier. I mean, I see almost every day a new kid in the 2021 class getting a major SEC offer. And I don't think that happened a few years ago. It was starting to get younger and younger, but I not at this rate where so many freshmen and sophomores are getting big time offers. And, you know, for me, it you know, it's unfortunate because a lot of these kids don't go to these camps now where they used to go and earn these offers and you know really do well in front of the media and guys like myself and make a name for themselves there but when these kids start getting these big time offers after one year of high school football you know it gets to their head a little bit and you know they decide not to go to these camps and this and that so it's a little difficult for us to really watch them and see how they are as a player and unless we go see them on a Friday night so I do think that's been a little different. You know, having done this for coming on 20 years, Friday nights matter a ton to me. I mean, like, for sure. I, I think that if you, um, if, 
if you if so, I I I, I know a lot of people have heard this from me a lot for through the years, but um, you know when you get in the car and you go, let's just say you're going to Atlanta. I mean that that's a, at least um, an hour drive, so yeah. that's two hours on a Friday night. Um, at minimum, and Georgia plays the next day, no matter where they're playing. I, I would say at a minimum, and that's just if you're going to Atlanta, and that's if you're going to the east side of Atlanta. Yeah. So if guys don't do anything, if they don't flash, if you can't, so if you're kind of leaving the stadium going, um, then they usually turn out not to be that very good in, in college, honestly. I mean, there's very few players I can remember where I was like, ah, you know. He was yeah. okay. Maybe Kendall Baker. I think Kendall Baker has had a much better career than I okay. suspected he would. Right. And again, guys like you know, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Mecole Hardman, I mean, they were the guys on their team. And no question. Every Friday night, they were making big, big-time plays. I, I saw each of those. Yeah, yeah, I saw each of those guys play, and every single time I saw them play, I don't know if I talked with you, probably did almost every time I saw them play, and you're right. just sitting there going, yeah, these guys are stars. Yeah. And I definitely remember you calling me about Zamir White. That was uh, after I watched Justin Fields play against Adam Anderson. It was the big, uh, you know, Harrison versus Rome game. I was driving home. You called me and, you know, was going on and on about Zamir White. And, you know, that you've got to really take Friday nights, you know, into this more than anything. The camps and combines are all great. They're going against the best of the best. But, you know, it's all about those pads. What happens when the pads are on and when the lights are on? Yeah, well, I mean, you can't lose a camp. Right. There's, right. there's, there's no stage at which a kid is losing, and there's no stage at which a camp is, you know, almost very, very rarely does a camp determine the future of, of a kid. I mean, it, I guess it can, but if Brookwood is playing Parkview or, you know, Central Forsyth's play in South or whatever. Those yeah. those games matter in the moment and they matter in history. I, I've been to plenty of camps, and um, you don't want to dismiss camps because they give college coaches the ability to. I would say, in terms of personality, it gives them the ability to uh, interact and understand the yeah. kids just as well as any other you know sort of moment. Yeah. Yeah, especially those college camps, you know, the Margaret camps, the Kirby Smart camps that they had in the summer. That's where they, you know, try to bring in out-of-state kids to watch them and work them out personally. So that's where the coaches really get a feel of the kid and they tell them to go through as many drills as they want, you know, specific drills. Uh, so they get a good feel. But for us, I mean, Jeremiah Holloman was the guy, yeah. uh, o- overall MVP at the uh, MVP camp uh, a few years ago, and he got, I think, Georgia, Auburn, Florida, uh, within 24 hours of winning that camp. So for some guys, it is really, really a big deal, but it all goes back to Friday nights. Uh, the film comes first. Why do you have, uh, I'm just, if people are listening, they are almost certainly dog post folks. And so I do want to talk about uh, your top 10 here. That you've got for the um, the twenty um, everybody keeps saying twenty eighteen the twenty nineteen season. Yeah, you've got Jaden Hazelwood as your one, Don Blaylock as your as your five. Um, what do you? I mean, you have a pretty diverse group of positions uh, in here, but the one guy you and I have talked about a lot, and maybe the guy who has the most upside period is Trayvon Walker at Upson Lee. 
Definitely. I mean, you talk about an athletic <laughs> defensive lineman. Uh, he's got the size, and you know he's coming off basketball season where he's coming off two straight state championships. Was a rebounding machine, um, real athletic guy, and he's lean. He can put on a good 20, 25 pounds, and he will. But he's he's quick off the ball. He's got those long arms. Um, he's a guy who will bat down a lot of you know passes from the quarterback of the line of scrimmage wherever he goes. Um, he's going to make an impact, and uh, the sky's the limit for him. I really like Trevon Walker and have for a long time now. Owen Popo, who we talked about earlier, Owen is a little bit more WYSIWYG. He's a little bit more, more what you see is what you get. Yeah. Um, what, I mean, is he overvalued as a prospect? In talking, not, let, me, let, me, let me say this, because yeah. I know you have to deal with the kids and the relationship with right. them. But in talking with coaches uh, around the league, uh, there is a view that he might be overvalued by the recruiting services because he's not grown much. He's and he's at a school where, boy, it seems like they get the most out of the kids. He's in a very developed area yeah. of Atlanta, and it's not. And for the record, people uh, are going to take that as a criticism. I guess that's fine if you want to get mad about a criticism. You can, but really, it's a it's a fact. It's kind of I don't know. Fact fact is a strong word, but um, it's it's what it seems like on the ground. And yeah. uh, what what is what what do you see when you see Owen play? Because he's all that what I just said, notwithstanding, he's still a very good high school football player. Definitely, and he's you know, the film may not be top ten worthy. There are probably ten other guys who on film you know make more plays um, or stand out a little more. But um, when you talk about athletes, you know, he's he's an athletic freak, and that's one of the reasons he was getting these offers in eighth grade and. Um, but he, he's so fast, and the potential's there. I mean, um, and a lot of it is his versatility, too. I mean, some people think he could play uh, free safety. I think one service has him rated as an outside linebacker. I think he could play inside linebacker. So you know, talking about Swiss Army knives out there on defense, he's definitely a guy who you can do a lot with. And how, I think college how, coaches how much, can drill, drill over that. How much, Matt, do you think politically Georgia is going to say, oh, we don't give a shit? what his potential is. We're not going to lose a kid to Auburn who's 35 minutes away. Yeah. And I mean, <laughs> these coaches, I mean, they're, they're guys, they don't want to lose anyone they've gone after and they've been recruiting Owen for a long time. And, you know, I saw the relationship with the staff and Owen before some of the games, uh, this past fall, seeing these recruits on the sideline and, you know, they brought Kirby's smart's wife over to you know meet owen and talk with him a little bit and that's when i said okay this this kid is the guy they really want they just brought kirby's wife over here uh glenn schumann was by his side the entire time um you could definitely see that he was a major target for them and that's when i think it started to turn into george's favor again in that kind of october period but yeah, he it definitely looked like he was a, a big time prospect, and you know these were games where they had a lot of recruits. And that Mississippi State game um, was a who's who of recruits there, and, and you, know, you could definitely tell that they had the ro- the red carpet rolled out for Owen that day. So they love him, and you can't lose a guy like that uh, to Auburn. Kyle Hamilton's a curious situation, and I would imagine a lot of people don't know a lot about him. Earlier this year. I think he got an offer from who was the first offer, like the big one. Oh, was it Auburn it or was it? I think Clemson and Notre Dame were two of the big ones early. 
Well, somebody, um, somebody, somebody offered before those two. I can't remember yeah. who it was. And then whoever offered him, then he just got he got everybody in a week. In one week, he got everybody. Yeah, I, I mean, it started. I think it really started to pick up beginning of February. He had a few offers before that. I think he had the Ivy League schools, you know, probably before last fall um, that were on him because he's a he's an academic guy as well. But yeah, I think once Clemson hit in uh, early February, they just started coming in. Georgia was a few days later and. He, you're right. He pretty much got everyone, and he has turned into a major Georgia target. Uh, he visited Georgia on March 6th, and the coaches made it very clear, like, hey, like you can commit right now. That's not exactly the case with a lot of guys who hold Georgia offers, but they told Kyle, they said, you know, you can jump on board anytime you want. We'd love to have you, and you know, we want you pretty bad. So I'm not exactly sure how many safeties they're taking in this class. It might just be one, could be two, but. Kyle is definitely way up on that board, and uh, what's going in my update today is he came from back from that Michigan visit, and I was told that Michigan has now jumped into that top three with Georgia and Notre Dame, and Harbaugh loves him. You know, Jim Harbaugh said we want to play you both ways. You know, um, you're you're our top safety now. So, um, and again, he's got the size, the ball skills, the toughness. I went and watched him work out, and uh, you know, the the film really does speak for itself there, and. He was really, really good at the opening in Buford uh, a few weeks ago, uh, the Atlanta Regional. So uh, he looks the part. The film is there. And yeah, I, I'm a big believer in Kyle Hamilton. And so is Kirby Smart. <laughs> it's just interesting to me, Matt, because nothing changed in terms of football for, for Kyle from January to February. And then yeah. it's like all of a sudden someone said, oh, my gosh, maybe we should – Check out one of the premier Catholic schools in the country, in the state, who have consistently been putting kids into Division One football for you know a long time. Uh, there's a kid there all of a sudden. I, I don't. It's it is it is it is. It's I guess it's the way it works sometimes. Maybe no. A lot of times, I guess the big school doesn't want to be the first one to offer. Yeah, I, I think that's that's part of it, and. Every year you'll kind of have some of these situations where a kid, you know, after his junior year really starts blowing up after that. Um, but he's not a kid who did a lot of camps and all that. And they, they do matter a little bit, but, um, you know, he wasn't a camp guy. Didn't really put himself out there. He played multiple sports. Um, again, he was high academic kid. Um, so he had a lot of stuff going on other than football, not really big on social media. But once that first one offered, I think, yeah, everyone started jumping on board and said, all right, yeah, he is legit. We need to take a closer look at him and, you know, and go from here. And that's um, he, he's absolutely blown up. What's going to be important on G-Day, you know, sort of globally for Georgia? Uh, from a recruiting standpoint or a team or, or well, obviously, both? Obviously recruiting, I would right. say, more right now. Um, I mean, what do you – what? You're going to be down th- down there, excuse me, right? A little bit earlier than most people will get into the game. You kind of see the kids. Uh, you know, we're not allowed to talk to them. Uh, Georgia's right. got their rules. And yeah. um, wh- what are you? I mean, are you just checking off a list of how many kids you expect to be there? Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely do that. Um, but when I'm down there, you know, the, I try to look at where the coaches are. Who? What recruits are the coaches talking to? Who are the coaches spending their time with? You know, what parents are they talking to? Um, and, and, and stuff like that's really where I can get a feel of, you know, who they're excited that's there. Um, and with a big event like G-Day, so many big-time recruits and top targets are going to be there. It'll be interesting to see 
you know, where the assistant coaches are and who they're talking to and, and the, the guys on the recruiting staff that people might not know um, in, in the program, you know, who they're hanging out with, who they're trying to talk to and have a good time with. So that's really what I'll be watching. And so what, uh, in terms of just regular part of G-Day, what will you be um, – everybody who – it seems like whenever you recover recruiting – uh, people feel like they can only ask you about the early young guys, but I, when I'm talking to you about G Day, what, what are you what are you looking for from the actual football team? Not just Cade Mays and Brent Cox. Uh, specifically, I'd like to see the defensive backs. Um, I know they're not going to do much on defense. They're not going to throw much at the offense. That's something that you wrote about earlier today, actually, which was a really good piece. But um, you know, I'm a big fan of these receivers, so I want to see what cornerbacks are stepping up, you know, how the safeties are, are playing and this and that. Obviously, it's going to be nice to watch the young guys and the early enrollees, but, and then a guy like Tay Crowder, who we've kind of seen, yeah. you know, I want, I want to see who's playing at middle linebacker between Monty Reese, Nate McBride, um, Tay Crowder, who I, I feel is like has had a really good spring. So, um, just a few of those. Got Robert Beals, another guy who I think might have been forgotten about. I'd really like to see him come on, uh, whether he's an outside linebacker, defensive end. Um, so just a few guys like that that maybe have been forgotten about with this, you know, either the early enrollees or some of the other freshmen who played a lot last year. I was just watching, I'm sorry, I'm watching highlights of the Washington Wizards right now, and they're discussing breaking up the breaking up the Wizards if they get swept. Um they're the eighth seed in the East, and it's just kind of like, you know, it is. There's time. a lot of talent on that team. Yeah, I mean, it's time to go. You know, if None you can't of them like each other, right? That that appears to be a, an issue. And see, by the way, that that they, I am certain amongst that 85 guys that are on scholarship at Georgia, you, I'm certain people don't like one another. But boy, you never hear that, um, right? It's just. Uh, that sort of stuff really is well contained um, in terms of the, the you know, what slips out of the program. That that just doesn't pop up at all. The only thing I can remember, I guess, was Paris Bostic and Trey Matthews yeah. going at it a few years ago. But other than that, I haven't really you know, heard uh, anything. I mean, that's a hell of a story where... I mean, Paris Bostic, what? I mean, neither of those guys made it a year, right? No, but Trey Matthews was supposed to. I mean, he was supposed to be the guy who comes in, and I think he's the guy who had a big head. He kind of was given that starting safety job and yeah. um, walked around campus like he was the best dude out there. And uh, he, he might not get drafted. That That's a crazy. stunning reversal from what should have been yeah. for, for, for Trey. Really a kid that... Um, Something was different that first season in Athens, and um, from what it felt like he was in uh, uh, at, at uh, Noonan, and then maybe even what he was like at Auburn. I mean, yeah. he became a leader at Auburn. It felt yeah. like. And I'll say this about this 2018 class: I got to know them a good bit, and they all seem like really, really good dudes who are here to win. You know, they're not here to you know go out and have a good time. I'm sure they will, but they know why they came to the University of Georgia and it's to win and play and get to the next level. So it does seem to me from all the guys that I've covered that, you know, they're very level headed and, and they know why they're here. It's these last two classes have been pretty close. 
you know. And and of the sixteen class, I mean, obviously Jacob is gone, but I'm not sure. I don't know who else has has really departed from the program from from that that class. They, I mean, obviously, I think uh, Brennan, oh, not Brandon Langley, but uh, there was the kid the, the kid from Grayson, wasn't he? That uh, just it just didn't work out. Oh yeah, uh, it didn't work out early for him. It Quick. Was, uh, the cornerback, um, I think. Yeah, um, now I'll think I'm... of his name in a second. Or was it Petrie Ridge? Petrie Ridge, that's Clay. right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Oh, um, Clay. Um, yeah, Chad Clay. Chad he Clay. he was go- he was basically gone before he got there. But yeah. if you if you look at this sixteen class, I mean, Jacob is gone. They had twenty two kids. Jacob Mikol's still a vital part. Nada Rochester's yeah. a starter. Ben Cleveland's a starter. Chauncey Manic Clark. Well, Chauncey, let me just go down the list. Yeah, Tyler Clark was on there. Chauncey Manick left. Um, Mikel Carter's still around. Charlie Warner, Elijah Holyfield. Jalil Le Guin's has got to pick it up. Uh, Riley Ridley is uh, still around, right? Yeah, Riley Ridley's still around. Right, and get him and and Wims confused sometimes because they both were on the screen at the same time. Tyler Clark, Wims, uh, Jack Clay is gone. Tyler Simmons is around. David Marshall, Barnes has had a Holyfield is still there. Right? Yeah, Holyfield. I think he's in that class. Yeah. Tyreek McGee, Brian Harrian, Solomon Kinley. That was a pretty good class. Definitely. Definitely. I mean, you start looking at that first class that was put together within six weeks. Yeah. Now the seventeen class, um, pr- probably a little better, I guess. <clears throat> but yeah. but I mean you've already got you know three kids here Swift Fromm and Thomas who were starters or massive contributors last year yeah uh, we're just going to see what happens with the likes of um, Trey Blunt Monty Rice Amir Speed yeah. they've still got some time with some of these well, kids Walter Grant's a good one uh, it'll be well, interesting Walter to see, yeah I mean Walter um, is going to be a starter year. yeah this yeah. year and yeah and of the and people ask me a lot. Um, you know, on the radio or just maybe even in town, um, you know, what these sites that have pop-ups, man, it's just going to drive you nuts, man. I'm, I'm just, it, it's, it's really annoying. You know, I don't think Justin is going to make a major impact this season. I think he will be a guy that comes in and plays some. He's not, I doubt that he will redshirt, but Justin Fields will get some time. I think Zamir could be a special player at Georgia. Cade Mays, people won't stop talking about. Brent Cox, same way. Trey Hill's going to need some time. Kiaris Jackson is a guy to me, Matt, that yeah. this that this people have forgotten about him, and I think he could be a pretty good player for Georgia. You saw him a good bit. I've yeah. seen him a lot, and yeah, he he's he's going to be a good one. He's he a, looks like a running back out yeah, there. He should he's fast he, and strong. He uh, should be a good player for Georgia. He is. Yeah. I mean, he's not Percy Harvin, but he's something like that body type, except bigger. I would say a bigger. um, Just his speed was pretty evident when I watched him play. After Meikle, when he leaves, it it wouldn't surprise me at all to see Kyrus Jackson take over that kick return and punt return duties for sure. You've got that ability as well. You've got David Wilson, who of course had the injury this spring. We don't know; it's a confirmed. I guess. I guess it has been confirmed. It's an ACL. We'll see what happens with Warren Erickson. I think you're a little further up with him than I am. Um, yeah. I'm not down on him. I just don't, you know, I don't know. I like Devontae Wyatt's potential. Um, he's one I did not see. 
Yeah, he, he's he's raw, yeah. but he is a guy that can get from one sideline to the next as a defensive lineman. That's something that's pretty good. It says something to me that he was willing to go to Hutchison for a year and not and not waste t- time, sort of. And he got in there and got out of there, and now he's at Georgia. This wasn't a two or three year thing. I mean, he was holding on, but uh, now he's at Georgia. I think he's a guy that that could be. A good overtime. I don't know about right now, but it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, Devontae yeah. is a good player. They rotated a lot of guys on yeah. that defensive line last year. The depth won't be there, but it wouldn't surprise me all to see you know a lot of those younger guys get in there and uh, just just to stay you know fresh. I think we both think Jamari's going to play a lot. I don't know how much that we really need to talk about that. Tyson Campbell might want to get ready to play. <laughs> A lot. Yeah, the the guy, the cornerbacks on campus right now better be playing their ass off because Tyson Campbell can play. He's got speed. He's got length. You've obviously seen him in person. Does yeah. need to put on a few pounds, yeah. right? And, yes. uh, but the talent is absolutely there now. Cornerback is, and you've seen this for years. That's not the easiest transition from high school to, to college. The talent's there, but if he's got to get in that playbook, but. Boy, that, well, I, I will say this. Here's, here's the one advantage to playing at a private school is, is a guy like that should have the ability to come in and process quickly. Otherwise, what in the world did you go to a private school for? Yeah. I mean, he played against a lot of good kids down there. So, so Adam, oh, sure. So Adam Anderson and Quay Walker, um, you know, for me, Adam is going to have to add some size. Right. Quay Walker, maybe not. But yeah. they both will play this fall, at least on special teams, if not, you know, in a significant way. James Cook, I think you should expect yeah. to see him play. Yeah, we'll see how he goes. Definitely. Uh, Otis Reese. Yep. Channing Tindall. Go ahead. I've got a story on uh, on Otis coming on Dog Post for sure. I was able to speak with his coach uh, for a good bit, and he was going on and on and on about Otis. So. He's definitely a guy that I think uh, will be a fan favorite real soon. When he sees the field, that kid's going to make plays. Joseph and Smith, other DBs, they gonna. I don't know if they're just going to get out there and play, but they need to be ready. Aziz Ojolari, Channing Tindall, Luke Ford, um, yeah. we'll see. Channing Tindall is in a position as an inside backer that he could come in and make some make some noise just because that position is not settled. Right, and he's he's a lot, he's another guy who's bringing a lot of athleticism to the position. Um, knows how to tackle and knows how to hit. He doesn't miss a lot of tackles, so um, he'll definitely be in the mix. That's a good thing for a linebacker. Tommy Bush, John Fitzpatrick. Now, okay, and then Jordan Jordan Davis. Owen Condon's coming off an ACL. Tremel Wathauer, um, you know, and Jake Camarda. There, there are expectations for sure for Jake. Tremel, Owen, Jordan Davis. You know, we don't know. Tommy Bush and Fitzpatrick. Now, John Fitzpatrick, when you go and watch him play, this is the part about watching Maris that's so hard to know for sure. They, they, I mean, they don't, they're not going to throw the ball. I mean, it's, it's yeah. basically Georgia Tech. And so it can be hard to know for sure what you're getting there unless you get him on campus and have him at camps and, and, and so forth. Yeah. And he's a guy who I got I really learned a lot from in the camp setting because of what you just said. And I, and I was questioning his athletic ability a little bit, but I saw him go up and grab some balls. He definitely used his height 
uh, to his advantage and, you know, just snagged uh, the football in the red zone over uh, some really talented safeties who were also at that camp. So um, I'm okay with John Fitzpatrick. Definitely probably needs a red shirt. Um, they don't need him to play anytime soon, but he's got some potential. Well, there's only, so the problem is, though, when you say that, there's only five tight ends on scholarship right now. And those guys play special teams. Yeah. And Jordan Davis didn't play much tight end, but he played special teams, if I recall yeah. correctly. Yeah. That a stuff lot of matters. Tight end sets, too, last yeah, year. Yeah. I mean, Warner and Nott were on the field a good bit last year. And, and you know, uh, Jordan Harris is, is not exactly a chump. So there's, there's a lot of you know, complicated situations that tied in and you've got John Fitzpatrick and uh, Luke Ford popping in here, yeah. both six, six and both probably will play six, at least six, six, two fifty, maybe six, six, two sixty. Fitzpatrick's going to have to gain some weight. But if my freshman year in college was any indication, and this was playing two sports, Gaining 15 to 20 pounds is not going to be a problem. Yeah. <laughs> I know you've heard a lot about the strength and conditioning staff, too. I mean, but being a freshman in college and with those guys who uh, apparently have done a really, really good job since no. they've been there, uh, he'll put on the weight for sure. I mean, uh, there's smart people in strength and conditioning world that are big believers of this group and were big believers before they got to, to Georgia. They, they thought they were the right group. Yeah. They thought they were the right group. All right, Matt, let's let's wrap it up here. The audience may or may not know about your aspirations to wrestle an alligator. And that <laughs> this is going to be an ongoing until you strap it on with an alligator. How are you preparing for this well, yeah, confrontation? I need to figure out the date and when to do it just so I make sure I'm in shape, you know, watch a little videos, figure out how exactly I'm going to do it. But I, How I, big I, an I, alligator are we talking about here? Uh, nothing huge. I mean, I'm not going to go out there with this massive alligator. But, you know, a small to maybe average-sized alligator. Now, if it was a croc, I'm out of there. I'm right. not even going to be around a crocodile. But no. I, I think the alligator is a little overrated um, <laughs> in the animal world. I've always thought that. And... You know, I see them on TV all the time. Everyone makes a big deal about the alligator, and I'm just sitting here like, let me, let me get into shape a little bit. I've seen enough gator boys on TV over the years that I think I could wrestle a small to medium-sized alligator. Um, and I think a lot of other people could. They just, you know, for some reason, people are afraid of these guys. Um, but I don't know. It's something I've been thinking about for a while. <laughs> what does your mother and significant other think about this? Oh, they they don't know. I don't really joke around gator wrestling uh, with them, um, <laughs> but you know when I'm when I'm out with the guys and you know out with the dog crew, crew um, <laughs> I'll definitely throw it out there just to see what you guys say. And uh, y'all think I'm crazy, but I was hoping yes. either you or Dylan would be like, you know what, that's not a bad idea. I could probably do it too, uh, but I did not. Are get you that nuts? Idea. No, I, I'm just like I, I'm not getting. I, I'm not wrestling a uh anything <laughs> nothing uh i i don't know I, you know i'm part-time at chick-fil-a a lot of people don't know this and you know sometimes i'll ask the customers you know kind of these weird animal questions like who would win a fight between a grizzly bear and hippopotamus i love the grizzly mm -hmm. bear so i would take the underdog i think the grizzly would be the you're underdog saying there. you're saying that a hippopotamus would be favored over a grizzly that's that's the message I've gotten. And a lot of people think it's a no-brainer. The hippo would destroy the grizzly bear. 
And I don't think that's true at all. Uh, so I do like, you know, these, you know, what animal could beat the other. And I think a, an in shape human or male in his late twenties should be able to wrestle a small to medium sized alligator. But yeah, here's the, here's, 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 here's the good news. You really don't need either hand. You, you need one hand for sure. I know where you're to, going this. To do your job. Right. You don't need either foot. So I'm right. all for you trying this out. I just, I just, we need a sponsor before we actually put this on the air. I don't, I don't know if it's legal. I, I think it's like an underground illegal activity. Like, what are you going to be wearing for this? Are you going to have like rest, high school wrestling outfit on or? I don't think you want loose clothing, man. No, I, I'm not going to go out there with like the blue jean shorts or anything like that either. I'm not going to wear basketball you, shorts. Do you tell um, Do you tell recruits this when you ever? I mean, whenever that pops up in your in your head. No, I, I try to figure out who they listen to. I, I can't understand all these new rappers and stuff like that. So I try to figure out who they're listening the to. The person and, growing and up in Forsyth <laughs> County can't understand all the new rappers. That's a Stunning as your alligator wrestling thing. Hey, all the ninety nine percent of white kids that graduated from South Forsyth in two thousand eight, <laughs> they all listened to rap. All, yeah, but you could not. The, you were not. You, you. So, so that's one thing you talk about with the kids. You do not talk about your animal obsessions. No, I'll talk about uh, see if they remember Young Jeezy, Lil Boosie, Grizzo, and all that. Were you um, a dinosaur guy at all when you were growing up? No, not exactly. Not ex- I mean, the T-Rex is cool. I enjoy Jurassic Park and, you know, the new ones. You know, it's cool. But I was not that, you know, dinosaur nerd that, you know, you'll, there's always a couple of those that you know. But that was not me. Did you ever go, uh, and y'all might have been too far away in Forsyth, but did you ever, when y'all were uh, taking uh, field trips in Atlanta, see, I could never have these conversations with Fletcher because he was so isolated up there in the mountains. Right. Did y'all ever go to, like, the Atlanta puppetry uh, arts Thing? Do you know what I'm talking about? No, I don't. I don't even know what you're no. talking about. No. We had we had so many killer things when I was growing up, and one of them was the planetarium at Fernbank. So Fernbank was an ele- not only an elementary school where my best friend went when he was uh, growing up, but uh, Fernbank had a planetarium. And in the, you know what a planetarium is? Right. Yeah. You do. So it's it's, it's like it's the universe up on a. Uh, or at yeah. least the Milky Way or whatever. But the, the the thing that was so awesome, and I hope they still have this. I've I've not been there in God knows how long. They had um, they had one of the Apollo capsules. Obviously not Apollo thirteen, but they had one of the Apollo capsules that had been in space. You could see it, dude. It was the size of maybe a washing machine. It was tiny. <laughs> I mean, dudes were in, three people were in the thing. Washing machine might be a little aggressive, but I felt like it was much smaller than a car. And That's uh, pretty wild. And, and Fernbank had all sorts of stuff, and they had a big dinosaur thing out there, too. So, I don't, you, you should go to Fernbank, man. It is a killer place to go visit. It's, I've heard it was pretty cool. It's not I've so far cool. from Druid Hills. Which I don't know if you know where that is, but that's the same. My brother's in Brookhaven. That's kind of the same. Yeah, that's the same. Uh, Brookhaven used to not be a town, but now it actually is. It used to just be an area, but now it's a town. I've been informed. So I'll have to check uh, it out. But yeah, uh, grizzly bears are the best. I I love the grizzly bear. You're a big. You're you're they. So grizzly over everything. Definitely, especially the hippo. 
Yeah, but bro, a hip how's a hippo gonna compete with a grizzly? Everyone says well, everyone thinks the hippos are a lot faster than they really are. Uh, apparently the hippos are crazy fast. I get it they're fast for their weight. I mean they're big animals, I get that. But I I, I think the grizzly bear would uh, you know, claw its neck and, and bleed. I mean the, I don't think it would catch the grizzly, first of all. Um well, why would the, the only, grizzly be running away from the hippo? Even you know it, it, that's a good question. And the fight's on land, too. And if it's oh, on okay. land, it's, and, and grizzlies can climb, you know, he could climb a tree and jump on the hippo. I mean, it, and the, the grizzly bear claws, uh, all he had to do was just slash the hippo, especially in the throat a couple times, and that bad boy's done. Okay. Uh, la- he's bleeding out. Last question of the day. Yeah. Just to, and just to be clear, in your confrontation with the overrated alligator, that is on land, or does the alligator get to have you in the water? Oh, hell no. No, this, this is on land. I'm going to zigzag him, get him tired. Um, <laughs> and this is definitely on land. Nothing big. Again, a, a small to medium-sized alligator. I've got to train a little bit. I might have to throw down like a six-pack or something. You, and you have no weapons. No, nah, yeah, I got I got my hands. Hands of steel. Um, uh, yeah. You got your hands before the fight. I'm not so sure you're going to have them after. <laughs> I uh, will say again, I'm not touching a crocodile. I've got all the most respect for those crocodiles, but it, I, I, I don't know. Just not a big fan of the gator. All right, next week we will review G Day, uh, the ramifications. Hopefully, Matt will still have all of his digits. Um, although we're not going to start the, the fight for the alligator. We're gonna we're gonna get that proper. We're gonna do that the right way. I'm gonna see if we can figure out how to do pay per view on Twitter because. That would be fascinating. Bring some dough. <laughs> yeah. All right. Next week, catch us on the roundtable. Matt, thanks for joining me, and uh, we'll see you at G Day. See you.